Welcome to Athcast Music, the music of Athens, Georgia, now and then. I'm really excited about having Mayor Kelly Gertz here today. I have met him in business meetings. I've met him at concerts. I've seen him at musical festivals and protesting and all types of places here. And very excited to have him on the Athcast Music today. Mayor Gertz is kind of a horse of a different color when it comes to most mayors. He was an educator, and he's a politician now. And he's brought both of those things and knowledge and skills into how he's trying to make changes for Athens, Georgia. And you're going to hear a little bit, well, you're going to hear a lot about that, actually. And I'm really excited about that. In November of 2006, Gertz was elected to serve as a member of the athens Clark County Commission, representing District 9. He was reelected unopposed in both 2010 and 2014. But in May of 2017, Gertz announced that he would run for mayor of athens Clark County. And on May 22, 2018, he defeated fellow Commissioner Harry Sims and local businessman Richie Knight, earning 60% of the vote to become mayor-elect. He was sworn in on January 8, 2019. In this conversation, you will see how dedicated and loyal and how much he loves Athens, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to listen to it. Here we go. Mayor Kelly Gertz. First of all, you and I met the first time. And I don't know if you remember this or not. You had just got elected mayor. Uh-huh. And I voted for you. Thank you. And you were at a drive-by truckers concert. Yes. And I came up to you and I said, I am so glad that I voted for a rock and roll mayor. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I'm a real rock and roll mayor or just a pretender. Um, as as, I it was as so somebody who cool. owns a guitar were, that he can barely play. but um, Well, you, you were definitely enjoying the show and could, I could tell that you were certainly a fan. I love those guys. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be friends with a couple of them. And I've, I've been watching them play for a long time. Which I never saw the truckers in the 90s, kind of when those Me first neither. couple of records were out. Mostly because, and I think that they recognize this is just part of their character. Their name turned me off. So I just thought they were a joke band. Um, but then when they were gearing up to uh, release Southern Rock Opera, there was a lot of advanced press for that record, just given that it was going to focus on Southernisms, including race. And, and obviously there was the sort of Leonard Skinner connection. And so when they did the release party for that record at Tasty World, um, I think this was August or July of 2001, I went to that show. So that was the first time I saw them play. So it was just before Jason Isbell joined the band. And in fact, the next time I saw them, he was in the band later on that same tour. I didn't know who Patterson Hood was until 2003. No, yeah, 2003. Mm -hmm. When I took a job with a music and film independent label distribution company. Mm -hmm. And Patterson Hood's name was mentioned. And I'm like, am I supposed to know who that is? Because I was in television for a long time of when all these independent bands were coming up. I had record stores with my husband, and we knew commercial artists, but not all these independents, and certainly 
not all the ones that started coming up. Right. And, and of course, from that, well, maybe a few years before that to, to now, you know, the majors were less a part of the scene uh, than they were, say, pre-1980s. You know, I think of that time when, you know, significant independence, you know, like whether it was Sub Pop or before that Twin Tone or other labels, I, you know, IRS, obviously, you know, connected to this town, became more prominent. Um, and, and that atomization, that fracturing has just continued. Of course, you know, now everybody's got stuff up on SoundCloud or whatever, um, w- which makes it difficult for somebody who wants to be a listener of new stuff. You know, you've really got to hunt for things in a way that was different than when they were half a dozen magazines you could read every month and you could really figure out what your stuff was going to be just because it was going to feature things that consistently were interesting. I think about learning about the Mekons or, or about, you know, we're here in Athens learning about Vic Chestnut. I mean, his records were on a minor label, a small label, but they were written about in the same places. And Michael Stipe produced his early stuff. And so, you know, it had that connection. It's harder for me as a 52 year old dude to find out about things today. Um, well, that's why we're here. Okay. That well, is why we're here, Mayor. Let's find out. <laughs> I mean, I invited you onto this conversation, this podcast, AppCast Music, because of your love for music and you're a mayor. And those don't always go together. One of the things in your bio is that you are a politician and educator. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think after this conversation today, you're probably going to prove why those two labels come together that make you a twice-elected mayor. I think that those things go so well together because it makes you much more of a politician and educator who is trying to bring those things together and help the city of Athens. And I've read so many things about what you've done, and I'm going to try not to talk about politics this conversation because. Everybody can read those conversations anytime, anywhere. But I believe when when we're done with this, that our audience today is going to understand how that comes into play when you are trying to make decisions about Athens. Well, Um, I'll say on that point, the thing that I learned to do, not always successfully, but that I did in the classroom, is how to present information in an interesting way. And in a way where people would want to ask another question and learn some more. And that I've been able to take into my job in public policy making. And of course, that's adjacent to what I love seeing people do musically on stage, you know, which is something that they love and they care about and that they want to bring to you in a way that makes you say, damn, play another song and another one after that. And Keep it coming. so there's, there's some stagecraft in all of these things. Obviously, in being on a stage as a performer, there's a stagecraft in being a teacher and there's a stagecraft in being a mayor, whether you're in a public meeting with 10 county commissioners surrounding you and members of the public at the podium uh, asking questions, or if I'm on YouTube or CNN or talking to a member of the press. I mean, there's a stagecraft in all of that. And so none of it's artificial, but it's certainly crafted. You, You learn to do things in a way that perceived to be effective. 
I get that. I, I see that. Um, I wish more politicians and educators would do that, actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, reading about you, talking with you on several occasions, being at network meetings with you, civic meetings with you, those kind of things. And I remember the first time I, I went to a meeting, I was just sitting there thinking, this guy's going to help us. This guy's going to help us. He's going to help Athens. You have quite the job on your hand. We know that. It's an interesting job. It's it's never a dull moment. Amen, brother. You know, um, your love of music is interesting because we were talking one day and you mentioned um, Echo and the Bunny Man, Mm -hmm. that you had just listened to it. And I was like, wow, his music's kind of deep here. Yeah, and it Deeper was than I thought. It was when those bands, Echo and the Bunnymen, Susie and the Banshees, the Replacements, who who are still my favorite American band to this day and have a deep seated feeling for REM. When those bands were on their rise was when I was in high school. And so it's that time in your life where you're forming your taste and these things are embedding themselves in your soul. Buying your first Neil Young album. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um but you're a military brat. That's right. Kid. I'll say, I won't say brat, but I'll say kid. No, I, I, I and describe myself as a military so how brat. Did, how did you develop that music? How did you get – was it your salvation? Uh, it, it, it was a release, without a doubt. I, I was an unusual military brat in that when I was four, my dad was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, and he was able to continually get reassigned to some other naval post in Norfolk or one of the neighboring towns, Virginia Beach or Portsmouth. And so I spent 74 to 94 in one place, uh, finished undergrad at Old Dominion University. Wow, that is unusual. And, and, and so that's super weird compared to friends of mine who would be in Jacksonville for three years and then San Diego for three years and then Oakland for three years and, you know, on and on. So, th- so that was great because it meant that I was able to establish personal relationships and then you establish relationships with every town you grow up in, right? And so yes. I was able to go to the same record stores, a couple of which later employed me. I worked for Record Bar. Um, in, you worked for Record Bar? Mm-hmm, in 88 and 89. Wait a minute. My husband worked for Record Bar. No doubt. Yeah, so this was when Barry, these... Barry Bergman owned the company before yeah. they were, were sold to a European firm and then later joined with, I think, Blockbuster. Right. He was... He op- I met my husband at the farthest west store in Overland Park, Kansas, that Record Bar had. Oh, very cool. Store number 24. Because, yeah, they, they, they really focused on the southeast, I guess. Yes. That sort of Houston to Baltimore arc. I he guess, had come from bread um, and butter. Raleigh. Right. And they were based down there, Raleigh or Durham. Yes. Um, and, and so it was interesting working in a record store during that era. So it was my last year of high school and then my first year out of high school that, that I worked for Record Bar. And uh, again, that indie label thing was really happening. You also had folks who'd worked for them back into the 70s who were still there. And so they remembered the days when you would get the posters in the tubes and inside the poster was some Coke. And... <laughs> Uh, and, and, and so it, it was. Wow. It was cool to be connected. I don't remember that. It, it, it was cool to be connected to people from the '70s who, who were still around, and then also see the kind of rise of the indie rock scene that bands like Jane's Addiction exemplified during that period too. Uh, I expanded my musical palette a lot working in that store, 
it was already true that I liked a lot of different stuff, but working at a record store for a couple of years, you realize that whether it's country or hip hop or folk or punk rock, that there are links between all those things and you see some common genesis in them and you have some appreciation. You know, I, I, I may not have wanted to have listened to NWA records all day long, but it came on in the store and, and I developed an appreciation for it. And, and you understood kind of the, the emotional links between it and, and a band like REM. Yeah. I mean, I'm married to a guy that taught me just about everything about music. I mean, I was obviously knew many of the artists in the seventies, the commercial artists, but he made me listen to Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. because I said, what? I don't want to listen to that. I've said that many times. But he's the one who brought those connections also. Now, if you ask him, if, would he listen to those kind of things today? Probably not. But he could stock our stores with stuff like that. Yeah. And, and when you're a kid and you grew up in the city, that brand of country music, for me at least initially, felt sort of hokey and old-fashioned. Me too, until I started listening to George Jones and Merle mm-hmm. Haggard That's and right. Andy Lou Harris. And yes, S- all S- of the same people. here. Yes. Now that I mean, stuff I love, oh, when he absolutely. was alive, I went to see Merle Haggard play a couple of times. Oh, that one I missed. Um, it's, it's great to have that expanding palette. That's a fun thing about being in Athens, because this is a town with a big, big, big palette. And it's funny, I was uh, just talking to one of the assistant managers, assistant county managers in City Hall earlier. And we were talking about the Athens scene and, and Nikki, who I was speaking with, has only been here a couple of years. And he was asking about um, a, a venue that doesn't exist anymore. So Calientitos, the Cuban sandwich place that's now over on Lumpkin Street, really began its life as this little restaurant called Caliente Cab over on Tallahassee Road. And it began just as a cab that served Cuban sandwiches. And, I know them and, very yeah, well. Yeah, the the Rubios. And uh, occasionally on a Friday or Saturday, they'd have a band play. And it was a BYOB setup. So you could buy food from the establishment, see the band play, and bring your own beverage. And Nikki was like, well, who who were the people? Like, what what part of the scene was that? I said, well, it was, it was those sort of third-generation hippie-ish bands like Dub Conscious. But... The cool thing about Athens is that no matter what niche you're part of, whether you're in a in a speed metal band or a folk thing or you're a hip-hop artist, everybody's willing to go check out everybody else's thing. P- people aren't so provincial about the music, which is what I love about this town. Well, I was just going to mention Athfest that mm-hmm. just uh, appeared in Athens. It's What year was it? So, so this was the 25th year, 25th I think. 25th year, yeah. That's right. And I remember the first one. And I've been to Athfest several times while I've lived here. I've only been here nine years. But holy moly, I went to Athfest this time, and I'm like, where are all these bands coming from? Mm-hmm. I didn't know half of them, but I do now. Yeah. And I talked to a lot of them, and I hope to to share them on this podcast because some of the bands that played were really good. And I'm including, um, I'm trying to think of their name, um, skater band. Um, 
I'll think of it later. Um, but I went to see the skater band. Mm-hmm. I went to see the hip hop bands. I, I did just exactly what you were saying yeah. because I, I like listening to everything and knowing everything. And I think it's important to bring all the genres to the forefront in this podcast because we need to. Musicians are struggling since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We know. Right. And, and the streaming it, it, era. You, yeah. You, you I, don't make any money selling a recording anymore. No, you don't. You know, unless you're Taylor You have to Swift. tour. That's and right. now there's no money to tour. Yeah. So how are they getting yeah. noticed? Well, people expect that same $5 cover charge today that they expected 30 years ago. And uh, well, it's 10 now. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, 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 it's gone way up. It's gone way up. That's funny. <laughs> but it, it's it, it's a great thing about Athens that whether it's Athfest in the summertime or now Porchfest in the autumn, you know, you can see these dozens of artists in close proximity physically on the street, but across this wide array of sonic palettes. And, and I just love that. And people support other people's stuff. It's so funny because when I moved to Athens in January 96, I really thought it was going to be a temporary stopover. I was going to get a graduate degree here, and then I was going to move on to Raleigh or Richmond or, or somewhere like that, bigger city, because I always lived in bigger cities, you know, Norfolk and for brief spells in Minneapolis and Atlanta and Austin. And I just thought this was going to be too small fries. But then you come here and you just discover there's this rich, rich well of creativity, music, obviously, but also photography and visual arts. And sort of lifestyle as well. Yes. And within two and a half years, I'd finished that graduate degree, but the hell if I was going to move anywhere else. And as a live music fan, you know, all those other places may have as many venues, but you got to get in your car, get in a taxi to get from one to the other. In Athens on foot, you've got upwards of 15 live music stages within walking distance of each other. You really have to make a decision when you decide to go out to listen to music. Mm-hmm. You really have to walk, you know, listen to uh, read the flagpole and do your research. I that's what I had to do at Athfest. I downloaded the app mm-hmm. and you know started punching yep. and trying to see everybody. Yeah, back in the old days, I I would walk around with that flyer that they would publish in yeah, flagpole just like this, and I would circle yeah. what I was going to do South by Southwest a, a, like every hour of every day. And they expanded quite a bit, their venues here. So a couple you did have to drive to, but not many. You know, Hendershots and um, uh, Wire, Livewire. Mm-hmm. Th- those are, well, Livewire you could probably yeah, walk to. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a guy who doesn't mind sweating, so I'll uh, Oh, good, I'll, I'll good. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, you know, the pandemic just really uh, did a number on musicians. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask you. How, as you as a mayor or the city of Athens, how has it been for you to help musicians? I know there's Nucci Space and they do an amazing job, but as mayor, mm-hmm. what what have you had to look at? Because these guys are struggling. Housing is becoming less and less, mm-hmm. or they're having to be asked to move out. That's right. Because historic uh, people, people are buying these moved places. to Athens because it was a cheap place to live, and that's no longer true. Well, I did. I mean, I bought a house for my daughter in 2009 so she could have free rent and mm-hmm. rent out the other bedrooms. And I am fortunate enough to still have that mortgage. <laughs> but if I tried to move out of that house Today, right now, right. I'd never make it. That's right. 
and and I, I kept on saying, going to other cities after I left Athens, like visiting my family and friends or just on a trip, man, I'm spoiled because, you know, you could get a $5 craft or a $2 Budweiser and you, you can't do that anywhere anymore. And it's, mm. it, so just tell me some of the things that you are looking at as a mayor of how you are trying to help the musicians as well. Yeah. So. So the things that are going to help the creative community are the things that are going to help the community broadly. So we are desperately in need of housing in Athens. Uh, the biggest part of our housing crunch is just the supply and demand imbalance. You know, we alone, as Clark County, have moved from just over 100,000 people in 2000 to over 130,000 people today, and we haven't built 30,000 new bedrooms. Um, if you expand the range just a little bit and you look at us plus the adjacent counties, we've moved from 255,000 people in 2000 to over 380,000 today. And the challenge is even more acute if you just move to Jackson County or to Oconee County because new jobs have been created, but not enough housing commensurate to the people who work in those medical centers or distribution facilities and the like. So we're working overtime to just get new housing on the ground knowing that you know we're never going to go back to what I lived with for a couple of years, which was a $330 a month apartment, but we at least need to stabilize things. Uh, and supply is going to be a big part of that stabilization. Very specific to the pandemic, we did lots of business grants during that period mm -hmm. uh, for small businesses. And some of those went to creatives and bands. Uh, in, in fact, the uh, individual who has the, the Halloween parade Wild Rumpus uh, got a grant to be able to continue that function over the course of the pandemic and, and just keep keep ahead above water and keep food in the fridge. And what a great night for family in yeah, Athens. Absolutely. It's, it's everybody that oh, goes. It's, it's lovely. And that's the thing about these Athens events, whether it's Athfest or Rumpus or, or, or the Holiday Parade of Lights, you just see everybody coming out. And those are the kind of things that we want. And certainly... In terms of a vision for Athens, for me, it's about everybody having access and everybody being embraced. Sadly, we know that for a couple of centuries, you know, th there were direct, dramatic, harsh legal disparities from slavery through Jim Crow, and those are still having an impact today. Uh, but if there's anything I hope to leave being true about Athens when I leave this seat in another three and a half years, it's that people have greater access to every opportunity. And that means, of course, financial opportunity and housing and job opportunities, but it also means cultural opportunities and lifestyle things like being able to just get out to a park or a trail that's close to your home and uh, enjoy Mother Nature. Well, I, I can see how you have to bring those all together in one big, great ball. Yeah. And bounce it a little. Yeah, it's it, it's it's a lot like when you go to the doctor, right? <laughs> you know, the, the the doctor doesn't just say, you know, let, let's check your blood pressure, let's check your lung capacity. Um, you know, they, they say all that, and also, oh, let, let let me take a look at your skin. We need to make sure you don't have anything that needs to get cut off or worked on. This, this, you know, have you gone to the dentist lately? Check your eyes. You know, how's your bone structure? You know, the, the doctor asks all these things because all of them are important to your health. And a community health is somewhat similar. You have to ask, what's the housing stock like? How's the cultural vitality? How are the educational resources? 
you know, are you putting things in place so that people can get out and recreate? Is there anything we can do to subsidize musicians as a city? It, I mean, is it just it's a less or? It's a less viable kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is setting up the ecosystem. The, the sort of direct subsidy route is just a more challenging thing yeah. than, than saying, okay, how do you set the stage for something that is going to create vitality for people who live here? Um, make sure that you can have you know, viable venues, for example. So you know, some of the things that we did over the course of the pandemic is just making it easier for food and beverage establishments to stay open and to do outdoor activities and the like. Um, we, we did dramatically lower the cost of a liquor license uh, oh. during the pandemic. And and we're going to go up a little bit, but we're not going to go back to where we were because what we want to do is make sure that venues can stay in business. So. That's great. That's great to hear those kind of things. It was so sad to me because this whole town reverberated the sounds of silence and it was quite eerie. Mm-hmm. And I had come here because of community, because of these venues, because of these musicians. What I didn't know when I came here is how many musicians were still here Mm -hmm. from those days that you talk about and how many musicians are coming up and they're good. Mm -hmm. They're really good. Yeah. There's a lot of new blood. There's a lot of new blood. And my goal is to bring them in here so we can show, people laugh at me when I say the world, so show people listening to this podcast, this incredible, special place called Athens, Georgia. Um, we, we are also struggling, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that because of all this going on, we're having a hard time booking a lot of national acts that were coming on, mm-hmm. uh, coming into Athens. And yeah. I, I see- I think it'd be great to talk to Belina Vago some of the people who are in positions like hers to talk about say 10 years ago versus now. It's interesting. I mean, certainly when you look at the national touring scene and you think about Athens place in it, um, you know, we've got more people here than we've ever had. And certainly university students have more money than they've ever had just as an aggregate group. We've got over 40,000 students now, bulk of them grew up in North Metro Atlanta, certainly pretty well healed. But at the same time, touring has gotten more expensive. And so I'm speculating a little bit here, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody who knows that they're going to book 30 dates across the nation might be less likely to hit Athens now because they're looking for more of a sure thing. Right. But do you think the Classic Center Arena is going to change that up a little bit? I think that's certainly going to help. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be the largest purpose-built live music venue that we've ever had. Yeah. And and I'm really excited about that. And I know some of the acts that they're booking and they're working with the same design and promotions group, the Oakview group that built the Savannah arena recently. And Savannah has been really successful in having that there. So whether this is your cup of tea or not, it's certainly an economic stimulus, but they've had, you know, everyone from Janet Jackson to the Eagles to Bon Jovi playing in Savannah and you never would have had those acts in Savannah even a decade ago without an arena that was going to be able to accommodate them. And honestly, I think Troy Aubrey is trying his best mm-hmm. to get them here and also do things back and forth between Athens and Atlanta. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, he's I, done certainly an amazing job yeah, with I, what I he's doing. J- just out at that um, multi-artist show that he did at Southern Brewing, that Americana thing a couple of weeks ago. I had ago. company. I wanted to go. But it was great. It was hot as blazes. But, yeah. But 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 he had a great lineup. Yeah. No, he did. In fact, um, William Tonks and Tommy Jordan, who we had, yeah, did a podcast with. Those guys are great. When you got here and your first campaign and your first position as mayor, what was the first thing that you saw that you know maybe needed to be done here, and and have you achieved that? Some of those things. I mean, you can't achieve everything. Look, you, you don't. We know, and you realize that you're always playing the long game. You know, you're you're making strides, but your strides alone aren't going to be those that get you to the promised land. And we we talked a little bit earlier about my life in public ed, and so really from '97 until 2018, I was working with teenagers in middle schools and high schools, and most of my drive to go into policymaking is first a county commissioner and then mayor came out of that experience I had working for more than 20 years with those kids and their families and just recognizing the gulf between some people in Athens who are doing fabulously well. I mean, heck, we're sitting here talking about the music scene in Athens and and the music scene, while it's such a significant part of my life, is something that's not on the minds of many families in town because they're just struggling to put food in the fridge, keep the lights on and get their kids hopefully through school. And so knowing that there's this both economically rich and culturally rich part of Athens, but this very clear struggling part of Athens was what got me into public policymaking. I loved being in the classroom. I loved being an administrator after that. But I certainly recognized that I could do as much as I wanted. I could be working 200% in that classroom but there were going to be things that weren't going to fill the buckets needed for those kids who I loved so much and for their families. Mm-hmm. And those were going to have to involve some job generation, some infrastructure development, some particular outreach, some housing opportunity, and other things that, that we're working the on. The same now. things you keep on talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, it applies to musicians. It applies to families young kids. Uh, I see it. I see it all the time. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think about these things being in common buckets. So the housing bucket, shoot, whether you're trying to make it as a musician or recording engineer, or, or you've been working a service job and maybe your family's worked service jobs for generations on end, you know, you're in the same challenging straits. Uh, just today was in conversations with um, folks who work at Advantage Behavioral Health Services or regional mental health provider, and they're trying to find homes for their clients who are kind of moving out of the sort of crisis phase of their experience and into permanent supportive housing. And they're having trouble finding any place where their clients can live for less than thirteen or $1,400 per person, per bed. And it's not just Athens. Oh, it's it, it, it's a national Kansas, phenomenon. It, it's it's any is. place that's attractive. Yes, you know, you, you you certainly find some places where property values or rents are low, but those are places without jobs and without amenities and without cultural resources. Yeah, people keep on coming because it still is a viable place to live. That's right. Um, it's still a fun place to live. It's still creating musicians. Um, Heaven knows, day and night, every second. 
In fact, you know, I was going to ask you this. If besides REM, B-52s, and the Wigs, and Drive-By Tuckers, and Widespread Panic, and all those guys, I mean, they made it. It was a, it, it was their time. It was that that was an error mm-hmm. that everybody was looking at every band in Athens coming out of Athens after REM. I I mean, I was a huge REM fan. I was a huge yeah, same B fifty twos fan. We sold tons of those records. I I benefited uh-huh. from Athens, Georgia. <laughs> but who would you say is your? This is a fun fun question. Who would you say is your favorite band to come out of Athens besides those Besides major, the one that have been sort of widely featured ones. on national TV? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I bet you know the no, answer. There, there are so many, um, but, but there are a few that sort of pull the heartstrings or, or, or really move me. Uh, my, my friend Claire Campbell's band, Hope for a Golden Summer. Uh, I think they're just wonderful. She's going to come on this podcast. And 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 she, you know, she she is a solo performer is great. I love hearing her and her sister Paige's voices together. Uh, I saw some of their very earliest shows, including actually a, a benefit show at Nucci Space when they first started playing together. Love love them enormously. Um, while he's gotten a lot of national press uh, when he was alive, Vic Chestnut. For yeah. me, will will always move me. Uh, I saw him many, many, many times, upwards of probably fifteen times here in town. And um, his very last show at the Forty Watt was just so strong. He was playing with a band. He'd done these two records, kind of with a common band, some guys from Canada, and um, and Guy, who had been one of the guitarists in Fugazi, and, and and a couple of the songs he played, I just wept. He was so great. Um, and I miss having new songs from him. Mm-hmm. Those are a couple of people who, who touch yeah. me a lot. Well, I saw Jim White mm-hmm. at Athfest over at Hendershot's. Yeah. I'm Jim looking, I came in with his book, Incidental Contact, to show you. He is an amazing writer. Yeah, he and is. And singer. He is. And I, it's crazy. You probably have seen his film. I met him and my husband then brought down this DVD. Mm-hmm. That's my husband. It's crazy what he brings out of that room. But <laughs> he brought that DVD down. He goes, you mean this guy? Yeah. I'm like, what? And so everybody knows about that DVD, but I didn't. And Yeah. You know, I, 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 I knew of him, him because David Byrne had signed him. But his songs are great and, and, and his – Styling's great. I, I I love seeing Jim just play by himself. He was even. just playing mm-hmm. by himself, and I he actually I actually bought one of his records and I listened to it. And it was very good. Don't get me wrong, but I really loved how he played by himself at Athfest. It was strong messages, funny stories, sadness. You know. I kind of talked to him a little bit afterwards, and I said, you know, Jim, I used to say that in Towns Van Zant's writing, there was a lot of beauty to his pain. Mm-hmm. And I feel that with your album. Is there so much beauty to some of the pain that you have gone through in your life? And that's, I think, why it touched me so much that night, of the words that were coming out of the vocabulary coming out of his mouth. Some words I had to look up later. Yeah, I mean, he was great. really special, and I can't wait to have a conversation with him. Yeah, and and, and he's a great uh, 
a great junker too. If you've <laughs> if you've ever seen any of his collection of stuff, he 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 accumulates the best stuff. Uh, that you well, he imagine. went to my garage sale. Well, there you go. <laughs> Proof. That's how I met him the first time. He uh, bought some posters from me. You know, as a person who came to to Athens to have a community again to be able to see you or anybody else I know in a bar, the ice cream shop or anywhere, grocery store. It's so nice. It's so nice to know so many people in a town. And Athens really, I mean, there's many people I don't know, obviously, but I first immersed myself into the business world. I really wanted to come to Athens and do something in the music business. You know, they didn't have many th- money then either. So I had to do something else and I started this business, but I had no idea, no idea all these musicians were here. So many. And I started thinking about this podcast without even knowing how many musicians were here, but knew some of the new things mm-hmm. about this podcast. I thought, you know, nope, we need to, we need to. We need to shout to the rafters and say, look at us. Look at who we are. We have culture. We have these amazing, some of these musicians here have done amazing things just in this recording studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's if an you read of the riches. bios of the people here, you're like, well, how the hell did he do that? I asked Andrew. I said, how the hell did you do this? These people have been around the world. They have done great, magnificent things. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many people uh, just in the music scene are still active. And, you know, some of them are full-time musicians and some of them are part-time musicians and some of them are hobbyists. But there's just this wealth, wealth, wealth of talent. Um, it, it's funny that you talk about thinking you were going to move into the music scene because of course you've got all these people you know some of them who've come out of the music business program now on campus mm-hmm. and, and and so we're, we're we're so saturated with not only great musicians but great promotions people and great visual artists and and hell we've got a record production plant now here and uh it, it's it's crazy and a school for audio production yep. we're sitting here right now i what he's doing here is magnificent as well that's right and, and a facility that will help with uh mental health and physical health challenges if you're a musician and don't have a lot of money um which is a a unique feature nucci space of course i'm talking about um so it's i i love the ecosystem of athens musical life it's uh, it's been a sustaining force from I mean, really from before I lived here, but in the more than 25 years I've lived here, um, not not a day do I wake up and not pinch myself to think, God, how lucky I am. Me too. And my husband too. I, I'll never get him out of here. One, he's part of Ollie. He loves Ollie. Yeah. What a magnificent program also. also. Yeah. So, so much great resource at the university, that's for sure. He He takes part of... A lot of classes there, and he also has a poker game that he nobody messes with. So, um, but but that's because, and he's made great friends where we lived mm-hmm. before. He never really had intellectual conversations on his level, yeah. and I don't mean to say that he's like a snob or anything, 
He's really well educated, but now that's he's got an outlet. He's got to find great people to hang with. And so, (laughs) yeah, he found. I mean, everybody can find people to hang out with. Yeah, and you know what? I love talking to the younger people. Yeah, that was a great thing for me about uh, being in schools for a long time. I I, I would learn more from them than I'm sure they possibly could have learned from me. And you'd find out about music. You know, we we talked earlier. I think maybe before we were on mic uh, about you know how it can be challenging to find new stuff. That's the great thing about being around kids is that they'll all always turn you on to stuff. Oh yes, I thank goodness have people in my family to do that. <laughs> so, and I have a, a 13 year old grandson and a and a six year old granddaughter. And whoa, it's all coming in yeah. all from that as well. But. Um, what do you what do you think is going to happen after you're mayor? Well, um, I, I'm I'm going to go to tending my tomato patch or whatever I do after this, and hopefully, what I've done is I've set up sort of durable and sustainable enough components, obviously in tandem with so many because everything I do is collaborative, yes. that people will be able to take some of those goals like higher wage jobs or better and more housing and continue to, to run with it because the foundation has been there. Yeah. Well, I, for one, support you wholeheartedly. And I really do appreciate your excitement for this podcast. As soon as I told you, you were like, I'm, a, I'm in, I'm in. You raised your hand, I'm in. And uh, I said, okay, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I couldn't wait to get you here to talk to you and have this kind of conversation because not only do I like seeing you around town and having fun and, you know, listening and enjoying music together and that type of thing, but I really do think you're doing a great job, sir. Well, I appreciate it dearly. I I can't thank you enough for having me and I'm looking forward to the next time. So what's your, uh, if anybody, you're all over the internet so they can find you if if anybody has anything to say. Sure. I have a Twitter and an Instagram and uh, my Uh, office has a Facebook. And be nice. He's a really good guy, people. (laughs) Or or, or don't. And that's okay too. (laughs) And that's part of the terrain. Uh, And and, and you can find me on the county's website at accgov.com. And my email address is right there. So please reach out. Okay. I think I've used it once or twice. (laughs) It's easy to find. I felt bad because you gave me your phone number to have lunch and talk about some of these things before I ever talked about this podcast. And then it was like a year and a half later and I said, oh, well, I'm going to call them now for this. See, that's the Athens (laughs) phenomenon, the boomerang. They leave, but then they always come back. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mayor, for being here. I I truly appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Athcast Music. We hope to bring you many more of these great conversations coming from Athens, Georgia. And thank you again, Mayor Gertz. You can reach him on the internet at acc.gov, and you can find his email there, and he will actually answer you if you do have some kind of issue you want to talk to him about, or just tell him what a good job he's doing. It was a great conversation, and again, thank you, Mayor Gertz.